life like that. I'm killing it. It ain't about you, it's about me. I'm so fresh and so clean. I'm the best thing that you ever seen. Cause I'm killing it. I'm great. I'm killing it. I'm awesome. I'm killing it. It ain't about you, it's about me. I'm so fresh and so clean. I'm the best thing that you ever seen. Cause I'm killing it. I'm great. I'm killing it. Good morning. <laughs> As you can tell today on all of our campuses, we're beginning a, beginning a brand new series entitled Killing It. And um, man, don't you love that music? Boy, it's killing it too, boy. This makes you, you know, all the young people are like, oh, bring it on. The old people are like, holding on there, like, save my pacemaker and all that. That's, that's good. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> all right. So uh, today, today what we're doing is uh, we're, we're starting out a uh, series that dealing with an issue that probably I've intentionally worked on tried to eradicate from my life for about the last 20 years now. And uh, it's been an issue in my life longer than 20 years. But about 20 years ago, I became very aware how big an issue this was in my life. And even though I've never had a drink of alcohol in my life, I was working through the 12 steps in AA with a friend. And uh, one evening, he confronted me about how destructive and um, just how disruptive this issue was in my life. In fact, he says, listen, you are really wasting your time working on the 12 steps unless you're willing to confront this one issue in your life head on. And as he was confronting me, because I was pastoring this church at the time, um, he just started saying, listen, th this issue is not only going to stall you on the 12 steps, but he's like, it's going to sabotage any God-given potential that you have. Because he says, listen, it's starting to wreck relationships with people around you, and it's, it's beginning to stagnate and, and wreck your relationship with God. And then he began to list out, very confrontive in, certain, in, in some ways, um, how this issue was wrecking my life in ways, and I did not even realize it. He told me, he says, listen, Paul, because of this issue, and you don't even know it's in your life, or at least you don't recognize it's in your life, he says, it rises up in your life almost on a daily basis, and it keeps you from doing things as a leader that you need to be doing. Things like admitting when you're wrong and apologizing to other people or even like bringing people in your circle to help you and being honest or being willing to be honest about your weaknesses or your failures or be appropriately vulnerable. Or he said it's the whole thing of keeping you from like celebrating other people's success or even he's like admitting that you don't know everything as a leader and sometimes you don't even know what you're doing as a leader. And he said the rest of us are looking on and recognize you don't always know what you're doing and you're not willing to ask for advice. It keeps you from doing that. And he says, so here's what it's really causing you to do. 
He said, like, when you're around people, it causes you to be defensive. It causes you to be unapproachable. It causes you to power up in meetings. He says it's that whole thing of this inferiority complex thing you have going on, Paul, this whole insecurity issue you have going on. He's like, so when you tell something that you've done, he says it's what causes you to exaggerate your accomplishments. He says it's what's causing you to kind of, like, wreck your family and marriage because you're pushing yourself to achieve things and accomplish things in really unhealthy kind of ways. And he says, and and more importantly, it's what's causing you to stay stuck in certain addictions. Now, any of you want to guess on any of our campuses what issue he was telling me that I had to deal with because it was sabotaging my life in such a big way? It's this thing called, that's right, some of you said it, it's pride. Now, here's what I guess. I'm guessing that this is not just the issue that I continue to work on daily to kill in my life, but the evidence in our culture shows that many of us, we're dealing with this issue as well. Because there's always growing evidence every day that we as a culture, as a society, as people, as individuals, we have issues with pride. I mean, think about it this way. There are a thousand selfies posted to Instagram every 10 seconds. Not 10 minutes, not 10 hours, but there are a thousand selfies posted to Instagram every 10 seconds. There are 93 million selfies taken each day. In one year, there were over 24 billion selfies uploaded to Google. In just one year period of time, over 24 billion. Now, here's the thing. Some of you that are kind of like my age or older, you know, the thought of taking a camera out, remember getting out of a Polaroid or getting out of one of the Kodak um, cameras, like the thought of taking and holding a camera up in front of yourself and taking a picture of yourself, that would have been unheard of. And back in the day, I mean, if you'd have done something like that, they'd have Baker acted you. You know, I was like, what's wrong with that person? I mean, that was just unheard of. But now it's just what we do. And everybody thinks it's normal. In fact, we even have what they call selfie sticks so we can make sure we can get a good enough view of ourselves or whatever's going on around. So it's like all of us, we tend to struggle with this pride thing. Now, please understand, when we're talking about pride, we're not talking about having healthy self-esteem. We're not talking about that. And when we talk about pride, we're not talking about having that sense of joy that just kind of wells up inside of you, like whenever your children or maybe a friend or a family member pushes through something hard and achieves something good. We're not talking about that. When we talk about pride, we're talking about an inflated sense of self. We're talking about being self-focused more than being other people-focused. We're talking about being self-absorbed. Now, let me just tell you why this is so important for us to talk about over the next three weeks. Solomon, who was like the wisest man who ever lived, had a lot to say about pride. And in his wisdom, he gives us so much insight. In fact, now I want you to notice what he says in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18. He says this, first pride, then the crash. Don't, don't miss that. First pride, then the crash. Now, here's the thing that most of us don't realize when we look at that verse or we read that verse. Most of us have experienced this series of events in our life. Whether we realize it or not, we have experienced this outcome in our life, whether it's in our finances, 
whether it's in our relationships, whether it's in our career, or even in our emotions. See, we thought everything was fine. I mean, we had like everything going our way. And then we experienced a crash. And when it crashed, I mean, we found ourselves sitting in our house. We found ourselves sitting in our car, in our bedroom. We found ourselves sitting out in the woods somewhere going, I can't believe this is happening to me. I I can't believe this is happening. I mean, like, why is this happening? Why am I experiencing a crash? And you start going, so why did I experience this crash financially? Why did I experience this crash relationally? Why did I experience this crash in my career? Why did I experience this crash emotionally? See, pride causes crashes for a lot of us. In fact, pride has caused a lot more destruction in our lives than what most of us realize. And here's the thing. While most of us, we go through our lives being unaware of all the destruction, all the crashes that pride is causing in our life, here's the thing that's interesting. God, who loves you and cares about you and wants the best for you, He's not unaware of what pride does in our lives. In fact, in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16 and 17, Solomon again, he lists out seven things that God hates. And of course, murder and lying and gossip and those kind of things, they're in the list. But you know the thing that makes the top of the list? It's this thing called pride. In fact, notice how Solomon says this in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16, in the first part of 17. He says, there are six things the Lord, Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him, haughty eyes, which is another phrase for pride, a lying tongue, heads that, hands that shed innocent blood, and then he goes on to list the other four. And so the question becomes this, how does pride outrank murder? Why is pride like number one on the list? And here's why. See, pride is the root cause of most of the crashes that we experience in our lives. And the other thing you have to understand about pride, it it gives away to all other sins, all other vices, and don't miss this, pride gives way to most of the emotional issues that we deal with in our lives. Don't don't miss that. C.S. Lewis even said it this way. He says, Unchastity, anger, greed, drunkenness are mere flea bites in comparison. Pride leads to every other vice. See, this is why God hates pride. This is why God detests pride because of the destruction and the crashes that it causes in our lives and the destruction and the crashes and the harm that as we're crashing we cause to other people which is throughout, why throughout Scripture, God has plenty of warnings. God makes sure there's plenty of warnings about the destructive nature of pride. Now, here's the thing that makes pride so deceptive, so destructive, and so difficult to remove from our lives, to kill from our lives. You might want to write this down. My pride makes it difficult for me to see my pride. Don't miss what we're saying here. My pride, my personal pride, makes it difficult for me to see the level of my personal pride. So what we're gonna do today, because I've been working on this thing for years, trying to kind of eradicate it, kill it in my life, and, and I'm telling you, you have to be so intentional about it. 
So what we're going to do today is, is I want to give you a few ways to be able to see the pride in your life. Because some time ago, because I'm always working on this, I, I came across this list. I heard this list, this communicator, give this list of things that cause pride in our li- life. And I made this list and I've kept it in front of me. Because it's really helped me to be able to see through my pride to my pride. So we're going to give you today the list of things that I believe can help you see through your pride to your pride. There's six of them. You probably want to write them down in your notes. So go ahead and get out your talk notes and, um, and get out a pen or you can do this on your phone, whatever, and uh, make this list because it's going to be something that you want to keep in front of yourself so that you can see your pride through your pride. Here, here's the first one. Number one. You tend to take everything personally. Now, some of you are sitting there going, oh, no, I don't. I don't take everything personally. I don't know why you're picking on me. (laughs) See, pride makes you take everything personally. Pride causes you to have this tendency to get very defensive. See, pride makes you have this tendency to want to make a case for yourself. For, for example, here's how pride does. Pride is this way. If somebody asks you a question, and, and, and they don't mean anything by it. They just need clarification. They, they just want information. They don't mean anything by it, but you take it as an indictment on your performance or an accusation about your character. So, or another way that pride shows up is, is you see like two of your friends talking together or, or they go to lunch together or they go to dinner together and, and you assume that now they no longer care about you and you assume that maybe they're even talking bad about you or, or scheming against you. See, pride makes you think that way. And don't miss this. This is so important and that is this. Pride is the primary link that makes you feel inferior and insecure. Don't miss that. Pride is the primary link that makes you feel inferior and insecure because when you have pride, I mean, everything is about you. You don't wanna miss what we're saying here. Feelings of inferiority and insecurity are directly related to pride. In fact, you could even say it this way. Insecurity is a perverse form of pride because we just assume that everyone should be focused on us. And most of the time, they aren't. You know why they aren't? Because they are too busy thinking about themselves. They don't have time to focus on you because they're so focused on themselves. See, what pride does is it causes us to make ourselves out to be much more important to others than what we actually should be, which drives, and then we start figuring out that people are all about us all the time the way we think they should be, and that just drives our feeling of inferiority and insecurity. So pride makes you feel inferior, makes you feel insecure, And the feeling of inferiority and insecurity makes you take everything personally. Now, here's what's interesting about this. When you study the life of Jesus, you discover that it was impossible to offend Jesus. I mean, think about it. If you read through the Gospels sometime, think think about it. Jesus didn't feel like he had to justify everything that he said to everyone. I mean, if someone made like a false accusation about him, I mean, he didn't feel like he needed to correct that or defend that. I mean, he didn't feel like he needed to correct every accusation. He didn't feel like even that everybody even had to agree with him. 
which is why Jesus could be around all different kinds of people. I mean, it's why he could eat with tax collectors, he could eat with sinners, because he was just comfortable being around people who didn't see things the way he saw them, or even think about things the way that he thought about them, who didn't have the same worldview that he did. Because here's the reality, it was impossible to offend Jesus. Here's why. Because Jesus had nothing to prove. Jesus had nothing to hide, and Jesus had nothing to lose. Make sure you understand this. You might want to write it down. Humble people have nothing to prove, so you can't offend them. Make sure you understand that. Humble people have nothing to prove, so you can't offend them. So being easily offended, it is rooted in pride. See, pride makes it so that we can't get over ourselves because pride is all about us looking good. So don't miss this. When we have pride in our lives, we are easy to offend because see, when we have pride in our life, we have something to prove, we have something to hide, and in our minds, we have something to lose. And when that's true of you, when you have something to prove, it's why you can't stand to be disrespected. It's why you can't stand to be misunderstood. So when you're humble, you don't have anything to prove. You don't have anything to lose. You don't have anything to hide, so you don't take things personally. But when you're proud, when you're filled with pride, I mean, you got things to prove, things to hide, in your mind, things to lose, so you take things personally, which is why Solomon said in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 10, pride leads to conflict. See, pride makes you take things personally, and that's the root cause of why you have so much conflict with so many people that you have conflict with. So pride leads us to have these feelings of inferiority and insecurity, which makes us take things personally, and we end up having conflict with all kinds of people because of the stories that we tell ourselves in our minds, that everybody's against us and nobody likes us. That's the first way. Another way that pride is revealed in our lives, and you might want to write this one down, is you tend to think your feelings are the most reasonable. In other words, when you have pride in your life, you, you expect other people to recognize that your feelings and thoughts are like, on any given subject, they make the most sense or they're the most reasonable, which is why you always have to have the last word in every conversation. It's why you always have to win the argument. See, when you have pride, it's not enough for you to sit in a conversation. It's not enough for you to exist as a human being and know that you are right. See, when you have pride, you insist on everybody else recognizing that you are right. See, it's like when you have pride, it's not okay for other people in your life to disagree with what you think or how you feel. So you, it's like you go through life overestimating your feelings or overvaluing your opinions or your ideas on all different kinds of subjects. See, what you do when you have pride is you tend to think that your feelings are the most reasonable. But let me kind of show you how this plays out. I heard this story some time ago about a study that was done on a group of people who were on this dating website. And anytime you hear stories about people who are on a dating website, that's always kind of a fun thing to kind of pull into because they're normally funny stories. So, um, in fact, one, uh, when I was, did the sermon run through for our staff this Thursday so they could hear it and critique it for uh, we preach it on Sunday, um, I found out afterwards that one of our staff uh, members, he met his wife 
on a dating website. And so he was kind of a little offended about this story. And I just like, well, don't take it personal. <laughs> and some of you will get that a little bit when you go back and look at the points. But anyhow... <clears throat> Anyhow, so this, this dating website, the, the people who organized this dating website, they had thousands of people on the website, and, and so they asked them these questions because they wanted to discover who and, you know, what, who, what kind of people were on there, what demographic, what groups of people, you know, they're drawing to the website. So one of the questions, while they asked them many questions, one of the questions was this, are, are you a genius? Literally, would you consider yourself to be a genius? Now, in the response to that survey, we're, we're going to ignore what the women said, but Two out of every five men said yes. Now the women are laughing. Guys don't understand why they're laughing. But anyhow, literally almost not quite half of the men said yes. Now statistically speaking, if you really studied you know, men and, and their intelligence, uh, the number should be like around one in a thousand. Like scientifically, the number would be like one out of a thousand men would be considered a genius which means two out of five men consider themselves to be one in a thousand. And that's the whole problem with pride. I mean, that's the lie of pride. Pride promises you that you are better than you are. Pride promises you that you'll look better than you are. But in the end, I mean, it's like it makes you look foolish. Because see, what pride does is it makes us overestimate our opinions, our thoughts, our feelings, because pride does not allow us to have us an accurate view of ourselves. And so just like you taking everything personally causes conflict, thinking that your feelings, your opinions, your thoughts are the most reasonable, well, Solomon would say that causes conflict as well. So that's the second way that pride reveals itself in our lives. Now, there's another way that pride reveals itself in our life, and this is the third one. You may want to write it down. You tend to live like your, de- your desires are the most important. This is another way that pride reveals itself, that you, you tend to live like your desires are the most important. Now, you would never sit down in a conversation and say that to anyone. I mean, you would never go, hey, what I desire in life, that's the most important thing, because that would seem too prideful. But here's how it has fleshed out in our life. If there's a decision to be made, whatever you want in your mind, that's what everybody else should want. I mean, after all, it's the most reasonable, right? For example, it's like whatever you think would be a great family vacation, that's what everybody else in your family should think is a great family vacation. Or like wherever you want to go to lunch after church today, I mean, that, that just seems reasonable to you that everybody else should want to go there for lunch today. See, pride makes you think that whatever you want, everybody else should want. See, pride, you might want to write this down. Pride makes you feel like your desires are the best for everyone. Don't miss that. Pride makes you feel like your desires are the best for everyone. For example, like the way music is played or the kind of music that gets played or the way a job gets done or where like your child should go to college or what your child should do after high school. And once again, what happens is when you have two people who feel like their desires are the most important or the best for everyone, as Solomon says, where there is pride, there is what? Conflict. See, that's true in the workplace. That's true in a marriage. And it's especially true in families between like couples oftentimes when when they're trying to figure out how they should raise their child. Well, wherever people feel like their desires are the most important, where there's pride, people feel like their desires are the most important and the best for everybody, 
And that always leads to conflict. That's why Solomon said pride leads to conflict. Now, another way that pride is revealed in our lives, and this is the fourth way, you tend to think the other person is the problem. Pride makes you think that the other person is the problem. See, pride says, listen, the person that you're having conflict with, the reason you're having conflict with them is because of them. So, so in your mind, they need to apologize. In your mind, they need to change their ways. But you know, Jesus, if you look at his life and listen to his teachings, Jesus is very clear, especially like in a passage like Matthew 7. He says, listen, pride keeps us from seeing how much of the conflict that we're having with other people is really our own issue. Notice how Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 3. Here's what he says. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye or your neighbor's eye or your coworker's eye or your spouse's eye or your parent's eye or your children's eye or someone that you know's eye? when you have a log in your own. And then I want you to notice what Jesus says in verse four. This is absolutely amazing. From God's perspective, from Jesus who is all-knowing, from his perspective who knows our minds and our hearts. Here's what he says in the next part. And how can you even think of saying to your friend, to your spouse, to your coworker, to your fellow student, how can you even think of saying, let me help you get rid of that speck in your own eye when you can't see past, or excuse me, that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite, first get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will be able to see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend or your spouse's or your parents or your children or your coworker or your fellow student's eye. See, what Jesus is saying in this passage is that pride blinds us to our weaknesses. But here's what it does do. It magnifies the weaknesses, the shortcomings of others. Which is why so many of us, we justify our broken relationship or how we treat other people that we're in like a difficult relationship with. Because in our minds, it's their issue. I mean, they need to apologize. They need to change their ways. So what we do is we justify the anger and the bitterness that we harbor in our heart because once again in our minds, if this person had responded differently, if this person had acted differently, then I wouldn't have had to respond the way that I've had to respond. And then even when we do apologize, if we have pride in our life, we use that but phrase. We go, I'm sorry, but, and then we attempt to rationalize our actions as as if they were the most logical. That our actions were more logical and more reasonable than the other person's actions. So pride makes us blame others for the conflict that we have with other people, and it keeps us from seeing how much of the conflict is really our responsibility. I mean, it's like Solomon said, pride leads to conflict. Every time. Now, there's another way that pride reveals itself. This is number five. You might want to write it down. You tend to be negative and critical instead of positive and grateful. 
You, you tend to be negative and critical instead of positive and grateful. And, and, and some of you, you're, you're sitting here going, I wonder why people try to avoid me. And you know, I wonder why people don't want to hang out with me. And, and what happens is, just like my friend was telling me about 20 years ago, he's like, here's the thing. You don't understand, Paul. Pride is destroying your relationship with people. Because his, his thing with me was he's like, you know, people are like, no matter how hard they try, it's like never good enough or your way is always the best way. So eventually they just give up and, and, and they give you your way. Listen, when you tend to be negative and critical, people really try to stay out of your way. If you have the reputation of being negative and critical, people just want to stay out of your way. They want to avoid you because they know that you're only going to be negative and critical. I mean, maybe for some of you, this is the whole problem in your marriage. Maybe for your spouse, I mean, their whole marriage strategy at this point in time is to avoid you as much as possible because they just know that you're going to be negative and critical and they are tired. Life has made them tired. They're tired emotionally. They are tired relationally, they're tired physically, they're tired mentally, and all of that has tired them out spiritually, and they know that if they're around you, you're just going to be negative and critical, and they just don't have the energy to deal with your emotional vomit. And they sure don't want to have to clean it up. And they're just tired of it. And so their strategy as your spouse is just to avoid you as much as possible, and you're blaming them for your bad marriage when maybe it's just your pride that's causing you to be so negative, so critical. That's why maybe some of you can't seem to keep friends, or when you start building friends, it's like they come up with excuses not to hang out with you because they just don't want to be around more negativity. They don't want to have to deal with that critical spirit. Listen. The language of pride is complaining and criticizing. Because you got something to prove. I mean, so it's complaining and criticizing. But the language of humility, it is gratitude and encouragement. Got to understand that. The, the language of humility is gratitude and encouragement. Because see, humble people see everything in life as a gift. Proud people they're complaining and criticizing because they have this I deserve more mentality. Humility, the language of humility, is gratitude and encouragement. So that, that's five ways that kind of reveal to us our pride. And I know we got this list and kind of keep it in front of you like I do mine. But here's a question. All of our campuses, how many of you are sitting here today and you're kind of thinking about someone that you're like, I really wish they were here to hear this. I mean, like on our campuses, all the campuses, just let's be honest. Let's, let's really be honest. If that's us, let's raise our hand. Yeah, all our campuses, raise our hand. Some of us not being honest because they're, you know, family member or somebody sitting around saying, hey, so-and-so, raise their hand, wishing you were there, but none. Like, and, and me too. I mean, you know, as I'm working through this, I'm like, wow, I wish there was so-and-so being there to hear this. It's kind of why we put point six in. See, another way that pride is revealed in our lives is you tend to think other people need to hear this. See, it's like if you've been listening today and you think, well, I wish so-and-so could hear this, or, or you think, I'm so glad that so-and-so is hearing this, and whether it's today or another sermon and you're sitting there going, oh, I wish so-and-so could hear this, or I wish so-and-so, you know, I'm glad they're here, that kind of thing. Or, listen, the more you have a tendency to see the need in someone else's life but not yourself, 
the greater the indication that pride has blinded you to your pride. In fact, Obadiah the prophet, he said it this way, the pride of your heart has deceived you. In other words, pride causes you, here's what pride does. Pride causes you to hear these things and go, well, I, I know I need to deal with some of this stuff. Yeah, I got a little bit of pride in my life, but I'm not that bad. So and so, oh my goodness, they need to be hearing this. I am so glad they're hearing this. See, you gotta understand, it's pride that is making you think that way. It's why Jesus said in the passage that we looked at earlier, Matthew chapter seven, verse four, let's put it back up here again. He goes, how can you think of even saying to your friend, to your spouse, to your coworker, to your neighbor, to your parent, to your child, how can you even think of saying to your fellow student, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye. See, that's what pride does. Pride blinds you to the reality of yourself, which means pride keeps you locked in this prison that holds you captive to all these destructive emotions and all these destructive behaviors. And as we're gonna see in a couple weeks is, Pride also eventually shuts God out. Even though you read your Bible and you fast and you pray, if you're living with pride, you shut God out and you just become religious. See, pride is so devastating and it's so deceiving. That's why God hates pride because it always leads to some kind of crash in our lives. So the question is, what do we do? What do we do with this? Well, the Apostle Paul, he was writing to a group of young Christians who were in Philippi, and uh, he says to them in chapter two of Philippians, you might wanna write this down, it starts about verse three. He says, listen, in your relationship with the people that you live with, that you work with, that you go to school with, that you go to church with, he says, in your relationships with one another, he says, I want you to have, this is how you deal with pride, you have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. And then he continues to go on a couple verses later and he shows us the radical mindset that we have to have in our life if we're gonna kill this thing called pride in our life. In fact, notice what Jesus says, or the Apostle Paul says about Jesus. He says, Jesus made himself, notice this, nothing, nothing to prove, nothing to lose, nothing to hide. Jesus made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. Don't miss the mindset that the Apostle Paul is pointing out about Jesus. He's saying, listen, Jesus had nothing to prove, he had nothing to lose, and nothing to hide, and because of that, he took on this attitude, this mindset of a servant, and he came to this earth. He was God in heaven, but he came to this earth in the form of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and he put on human flesh, and he goes, how can I serve you? See, Jesus, he chose not to get what he deserved as God, what he was entitled to as God. Instead, he chose to come to this earth and ask this question, how can I serve you? Not, not how can I prove that I'm God and I'm all that, that I'm this big deal, but just how can I serve you? So to have the mind of Christ the attitude of Christ, the question for us, what it becomes is, how can I serve others as Jesus served me? How can I take on that kind of mindset? And it's a radical kind of mindset, but that's the whole point. Don't miss this. 
It's only when we take a radical approach to killing pride in our life by putting on humility that we can begin to eradicate this thing called pride in our life. In fact, Jesus, he taught and he modeled a radical, liberating version of humility, as we're going to see over these next couple of weeks. In fact, what we're going to see is this. As you accept the invitation to follow Jesus, you also accept an invitation to unfollow pride, to stop making it about you. In fact, look how radical Jesus was in taking on humility. Look at verse 8. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, and, and not just death, but a criminal's death, even death on a cross. See, Jesus went to the cross to serve you, and, and he, he did that because he chose to humble himself. Make sure you understand this. Humility is something that we choose. He, he chose to humble himself, N- not just to be seen as a man, but to see, be seen as the status of a servant, not just a servant, but also to die a criminal's death. I, I want you to think about, oh my goodness, think about the demotion. How, how hard is it to have that kind of appearance? I mean, you're God in heaven. You're the God of the universe. And you humble yourself to the point that you lose your reputation as God and you hang on this cross as a criminal, and yet you don't defend yourself, and you're not offended. You go, Father, forgive them. They really don't know what they're doing. Listen, you can't be insecure. You you can't be easy to offend. You can't be defensive about your image and who you are. If you're going to have an attitude of humility and if you're going to serve others the way that Jesus served us. I mean, Jesus, he literally chose to put you and me ahead of himself. And now all he asks us as we follow him is he says, listen, I want you to do for others what I did for you. So here's our challenge to you as we begin this week. And we're going to talk about how we rid ourselves of humility, some other actions over the next couple of weeks. But here, here's what we're challenging you to do this week. Th- this week, we're saying, will you begin to kill the pride in your life? Wh- which means, will you admit that there is this entity in your life called pride? And, and to do that, you got to ask yourself this question, like, you know, why would you continue to embrace this thing called pride that has the potential to kill you instead of embracing this one who died for you? I mean, why, why would you continue to give more power to this thing called pride that has the potential to kill everything that is valuable to you instead of choosing to surrender your life to the one who chose to die for you? And why not? Even if you're here today in one of our campuses and, and you're, I don't really know about this Jesus thing, this God thing, why would you not embro- embrace this radical approach to humility which can give you your life back so that you can go through life with nothing to prove, nothing to hide, and nothing to lose? Can you imagine the freedom of that? Can you imagine the freedom of that? So this week, will you admit that there is pride, this thing called pride in your life, And when you see this thing called pride in your life, raise its ugly head. Instead of doing what pride says to do, which is try to prove yourself, try to hide what you feel like needs to be hidden and 
trying to keep from losing what you feel like you need to hold on so that you have your image and, and who you are intact. Instead of doing what pride says, will you say to pride, pride, I'm not gonna do what you say. In fact, pride, here's the thing. Instead of defending myself, I'm going to apologize. Pride, instead of criticizing, I'm going to compliment and I'm gonna write a thank you note. Pride, instead of arguing my point, I'm just gonna listen and I'm gonna keep my mouth shut and I'm really gonna try to understand the heart of this other person. Pride, instead of like being passive aggressive and and trying to manipulate to get my way, I'm just gonna step back and let someone else have their way. Pride, instead of having this entitlement mindset and being angry at this person who's serving me in this restaurant and, and, and giving them less and less tip all the time as the process goes along, no pride, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna get rid of my entitlement mentality and I'm gonna double my tip. Maybe for some of you, when you're about to take that drink or you're about to take that hit, you're about to take that look, You need to say to pride, pride, I'm not going to do it now. I'm going to admit to someone that I know loves me that I've got an addiction. For for some of you, you've been part of RCC for a while, and you feel like the Holy Spirit is trying to move you along spiritually and prompting you to do that. And you've heard us talk about this thing called Next that you could go and be a part of on each of our campuses and kind of help you figure out what is your next best step spiritually, and you're going, I don't want to do next because I don't want people to know I have questions. Maybe today is the day when you need to look at pride and say, pride, I'm going to next, and I'm going to ask some questions because I'm going to humble myself because I have nothing to lose, nothing to prove, nothing to hide. Maybe for some of you this week, when you go to a small, your small group, you need to let them hold you accountable, and you just need to tell your small group that, hey, listen, I'm going to kill it, this thing called pride, before it kills me, because it's about to kill me. I'm going through my life. I got something to prove. I got something to hide. I've got something to lose, and it's destroying me. So I'm going to kill pride so that I can have the life that Jesus Christ died to give me. We pray that will be your first step in killing this thing called pride. Will you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this moment when every one of us, we get to make a choice. And in a lot of ways, for all of us, it's a choice between an abundant life or a desperate life. God, may we begin to realize today that humility brings abundance and pride brings desperation. And so I just pray that you'll help every one of us to admit, man, we we got this issue and we're all having to work on it together. And may we say to pride, pride, we're not going to listen to you anymore. Instead, we're gonna do what Jesus did. We're gonna choose to humble ourselves. We're going to humble ourselves. And we're going to have nothing to prove, nothing to lose, nothing to hide. God, I, I thank you that it's possible. I mean, look at the life of the Apostle Paul. He, he lived with that mindset, nothing to prove, nothing to lose, nothing to hide. 
God, I just pray that your Holy Spirit this week will help all of us to stand up to this thing called pride and choose to humble ourselves so that we can have the life that you came to give us through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name we thank you. Amen.